I would like to start uh, my message by asking a very thought-provoking question, and likely a question that you'll probably not ever be asked, and that is, are you prepared to be persecuted to the point of death? Now, that, of course, that sounds like a, like a silly question, and most of you will say, well, hey, you know, I live in America. You know, I live in the land of the free, you know, and, and, and we, you know, that, that's, not a, a, that's never going to be an issue for me. You know, or you might say, well, hey, you know, I have the hope of the rapture. You know, at any second, boom, poof, you know, I'm out of here. So that's this not something that I would even, you know, consider. And uh, all such responses would be completely understandable, considering, you know, the fact that America was founded on religious freedom. However, many of you have watched the news recently and have seen a lot of the atrocities that are going on around the world. Now, Christians in America, you know, know, will, as I said, unlikely that any Christians in America will be imprisoned or tortured or persecuted, you know, persecuted or threatened with death in order to get them to denounce their faith. That is, of course, extremely unlikely to happen in this country. But it has been a reality for many, and it is an ongoing reality for many Christians around the world. Just like the Christians were, you know, were persecuted under the Roman uh, Empire, and you can read that in your apostle, you know, most of the apostles. You know, read, read first and second Peter, read the, the book of Jude, and you and, and read the uh, read the epistles of of, uh, of John, and you'll see all about you know, the, you know the persecutions that were going on. Look at the life of Paul, and and how many perse- uh, how you know how many times you know he was beaten and 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 and, and stoned once. And, and so many, you know, so many hardships, you know, that he faced. And then you have the Catholic, uh, the time of the, the, what they call the Dark Ages, with the, with the, the Christians being persecuted under the Catholic you know, Church, and you have, you know, the Inquisitions, where literally Christians or people that were suspected of not, you know, being loyal to the Catholic Church were, were, were rounded up and gathered up and were very, very horrendously tortured, and forced to, many of them were forced to recant, burned at the stake, you know, you know, because they would be accused of, of witchcraft, they would be accused of being demon-possessed demon and things. People like Joan of Arc, people like uh, uh, William Tyndale, who dared to print the Bible in, 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 in the language of the common people. So those of us you know, that read the Bible understand that, we, that, you know, that, you know, that it's the, the people shed their blood in order that we may have that privilege to hold, you know, to hold the Bible in our hands. Again, I ask, are you willing to be persecuted even to the point of death? Again, fully, understand, fully understandable for Americans to, uh, you know, today to be asked that question to say, "What? You know, well, that, that's you know, that's that's never going to happen. You know, you know, this is this is America. Who's who? who you know, who's going to who, you know, who's going to threaten me? I, I can do what I want." And for the most part, yes, I will agree that is true. 
But even though you may not be persecuted or, you know, or threatened with death or torture, I guarantee you that, that, you know, that, you know, that there's already legislation, fortunately it has failed, and, but eventually it will, it will be passed. It's called, the, it's, it's, it's called hate speech. And, and, what, and the, the idea is, is, is that you will not be able to say anything that offends another person. Now, this is, now in Europe, there are certain European countries, and this, is all, this law is already in force in Canada, that if you say anything against a, against a certain so-called protected group, you know, gays or homosexual, homosexuals or, or, you know, or, or, what, or, you know, or any religious you know, group, you'll be thrown in jail. It's against the law to preach against homosexuality in certain countries in Europe and Canada. It's against the law you know, to condemn any kind of, uh, 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 to, you know, to speak out against any kind of religion. You'd be thrown in jail. That law is coming to this country. Very soon, you know, pastors will be given a choice. Either preach what we, what, what we tell you to preach or we'll take away your, your 501c you know, status. That's going to be the first step. The second step will be to, to start you know, throwing people in jail. Who, who dare to have a, a, a dare to speak out and say sin is sin? This is wrong. This should not be done. So even though we may not be, you know, we we may not, you know, be threatened with, you know, with with physical, you know, violence, our freedom of speech will be taken away from us at some point in this country. The foundation text for this uh, for for for, you know, for this message is taken from. Revelation chapter two, verses eight to eleven, and it's one of the one of the uh, churches that we're going to have a look at, and that's the church in Smyrna. And I read, and the, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things say the first and the last, who was dead, and came to life. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty but you are rich, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Here we have a perfect example of a persecuted church. Now, the Church of Smyrna was one of the church, you know, one of, you know, one of this one of many of the persecuted churches in the in the then Roman Empire. The Church of Smyrna was not being persecuted because it was it, it was preaching you know you know you know you know preaching blasphemy, preaching false doctrine, or acting acting in a ungodly way. The persecution wasn't coming from God; it was coming from man because they were actually preaching the truth. They were they were preaching you know you know the gospel, and that's where the persecution was was coming from. 
See, they, they, were, they were speaking out against the idolatry that was prevalent in the Roman Empire in their, in, in their day and encouraging people you know, you know, to, to, to leave these worthless idols and worship the true and living God. And because of that, they were being ruthlessly you know, hunted down and persecuted by the Roman Empire. In fact, Jesus, you know, Jesus also commends them and says that they should remain faithful even to the point of death, which is where the question comes that I'm asking you this evening. Are you willing to be persecuted even unto the point of death? As Pastor Mike has said you know, several times, that we're unlikely to see such persecution in this country, and that is absolutely true. And Pastor Mike has often you know, talks about you know, going out and doing door-to-door with, uh, with Kim, uh, with, uh, with, um, with Chris, and saying, what's the worst that can happen? You, know, you might get you know, some people that will say, hey, you know, not interested. You might get a door slammed in your face, maybe. You get people that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that will just you know, turn away from you and say, if, that, if that's the worst that's likely going to happen, then, what, then what's the big deal about going out and sharing your faith? At least in this country, we have that opportunity. We still, praise God, have that opportunity to go out and share our faith without threats of, you know, of, of physical violence. But in many countries of the world, that, that, that would be, that would be a, a jailable, if not a capital offense. In Saudi Arabia, a blogger dared to write, you know, to write something that offended the Saudi government. He was sentenced, I think, to a 10-year prison sentence and a 1,000 lashes. And he will be given 50 lashes every Friday until that thousand latches has been completed. And then on top of that, he still has a prison sentence to look forward to, just for speaking his mind. There have been many people, Pastor Abedini, that we, that we all pray, know and pray for, was, is, is languishing right now. Well, I won't say languishing, because God is using him in that Iranian prison. And he's still encouraging people like us who are free from that Iranian prison. Just like Paul wrote several of his letters from a Roman prison. Philippians was written from a Roman prison. And yet you read the book of Philippians and you would never know that the person who wrote the book of Philippians was writing it from jail. How many times does it say in, in the book, rejoice, 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 rejoice? And then you scratch your head and ask yourself, well, wait a minute, what's there to rejoice about? You're in prison. You're chained, in, you're chained to two Roman guards in a dungeon. But he's saying it was encouraging the church in Philippi to rejoice, to rejoice. And why, why did Jesus say to them that they should be faithful unto death? In Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said to his disciples, And do not fear those who can kill the body, 
but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Jesus, Jesus knew, and you know what, what, what knew, was basically saying that what's the worst that what's the worst that can happen? And because of that, I've adopted that. I've adopted that you know, the, you know, that mindset. And I'll say to somebody, "What's the worst that can happen?" Okay, the worst that can happen is you die and go to heaven. Is that such a bad thing? As a Christian, that's the worst that can happen. And that's essentially what Jesus is saying. Why are you afraid of somebody who is threatening your life? Let them take it. Because I have the power to give it back to you. And we see this played out in Daniel verses two, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 to 30. And in that you have the story of the three Hebrew men that were faced with a similar choice. Do they bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar's golden image and live? Or do they refuse to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar's golden image and be thrown into the fiery furnace? But we all know the story. They said to Nebuchadnezzar, O king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. We will not bow down and worship your golden image because our God is able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. But if he chooses not to deliver us from your fiery furnace, we still will not bow down and worship your image. And what did Nebuchadnezzar do? Of course, he was furious. This is not somebody that is used to be being told no. And so he orders his guards, go and heat up that furnace seven times hotter than it already was. So they went and heated it up seven times hotter than it already was. Then it says, and they grabbed the, 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 the three men and bound them, bound them up. And it says they took them to the furnace to throw them in. But it says, as they opened up the furnace, it was so hot that flames came out and consumed the, 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 the soldiers that were sent to throw them in. And it says, and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego fell in to the fiery furnace. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar was sitting there with his lords and his guests saying, okay, you know, see what happens to those who, who dare to defy me. But what happens? All of a sudden, he looks, a little, he looks in and says, well, wait a minute. I see these three men walking freely in the, in the fire, and, it, and they don't seem to be you know, hurt or, or, or hurt or consumed. And wait, I see a fourth person in there with them. And, he's, and, he's, and he's, he looks like the son of God. And then Nebuchadnezzar calls, calls them to come out of the fiery furnace. And it says, and their clothes were not scorched, there was, and there was no smell of smoke on them. And therefore, Nebuchadnezzar now says that no one, no one can, can save like their God can save. No one has, the, no God has the power 
to save like their God saves. And he made a decree in his kingdom that anybody that speaks amiss, anybody that says anything against their God, you know, their houses will be destroyed and made into a dunghill. They'll be killed and their houses will be made into a dunghill. Now, God could have allowed them to die. And they said, we're prepared, that, that we know God can deliver us. But if he chooses not to, because they realize that, it, that it's God's sovereign will, whether or not they live or die. They say, we know he can do this, but just in case he decides not to, we're still not going to do it. Read Hebrews 11 also, about the hall of faith, and about all of those Christians that, that suffered hor- you know, horrendously at the hands of, of people that, were, that were, were determined to silence their witness. And Paul, Paul you know, the, well, I believe Paul wrote you know, Hebrews, but the writer of Hebrews ends and says that the world was not worthy of them. But here's the thing. We have such Christians living today who the world is not worthy of. We have such Christians living today who are going through similar persecution, similar suffering, and are also saying, no, I do not hold my life so dear that I'm not willing to give it up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus also said to the church of Smyrna, like I said, that he knew their works. This was a church that was not, that was, you know, this was a church in which there was absolutely nothing bad said about it. There are only two of the seven churches that got a A rating from Jesus. Church of Smyrna and then the Church of Philadelphia. And they're completely opposite in terms of what they went through. The Church of Philadelphia was a great church. But fortunately, you know, at that time, the persecution of the, of the churches had subsided. But the Church of Philadelphia still shined as an example of a church that's truly following the laws and ways of God. Jesus commends Smyrna, the church of Smyrna, you know, because they were faithful. They were doing exactly what he had commanded the church to do. But he also points out that, it's, that the devil was the one behind their persecution. Because he's ultimately the one behind the scenes, stirring up the hearts of men to persecute Christ's church. And he was trying to let them know that don't, 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 don't be so fearful of, the, of, the, of, the, of all those you know, in this world that are trying to, you know, trying to harm you. That ultimately your enemy is the devil. And therefore, direct your prayers towards fighting this spiritual battle. As Paul said, that our weapons, are, you know, you know, that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers and rulers, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. That's where our real battle, where the real battle is being, it will be fought, and that's where it will be won. 
Jesus said, you know, Jesus said you know, to his disciples who came to him and asked, was asking for a sign. They said, What's, what, what are the signs of your coming? And in Mark 13, verses 9 through 13, Jesus answered their question by saying, But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to cancels, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved." And Jesus was saying to his disciples that one of the signs that are going to precede his return will be religious persecution. But it will be on a, during the tribulation, it will be on a worldwide scale. But he was saying to them that don't be, don't be, don't try to defend yourself. Don't be your own defense attorney and try to, and try to argue your way you know, out of out of out of uh, out of your out of your situation, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when they're trying to, you know, perfect example, Stephen. When he was when when he stood before his accusers before being stoned, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he was able, you know, and he gave his sermon to the Pharisees. And it says, and they beheld his face as a, as, as a face of an angel. And it says, and they, and they grit their teeth. Why did they grit their teeth? Because they were convicted. They were convicted by what he said. And they knew that he was, te- he was telling the truth. How many times does it say that, you know, that, you know, that Jesus Christ, that, that the Pharisees you know, gritted their teeth and that they were cut to the, they were cut to the heart? But rather than responding with repentance, they responded with violence. They responded with violence. And as we see throughout history, that everyone who is, throughout history, we have stories of people who was willing to stand up and, and preach the gospel. They were willing to stand up in the midst of a, in the midst of a corrupt you know, society. And preach the gospel. And many of them, if you read you know, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you see all of the people that were, you know, that, you know, that were, that were put to death simply for, you know, for having the courage to preach the gospel. Like I said, Jesus, was, Jesus wanted the church of, in Smyrna to know that their persecutor, their persecutor, the chief persecutor was the devil. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Again, 
know, Jesus is, you know, making it clear, you know, you know that when, when, when persecution comes, don't hate the persecutor. Hate the person, hate the person behind the persecutor. And that's the devil. And though, and though, and, and, and his, and his, and, and, and his uh, angels and demons that, you know, that work with him to come against the children of light. And Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail. Will not prevail. <sighs> Having said this, I ask again, are you willing to be persecuted to the point of death? Now, I would, I would love to say, and I've said this to myself and, and said, you know, I would like to think that if I was faced with a choice of denouncing my faith and live or retaining my faith and die, that I would choose to retain my faith. But until you're faced with that situation, as Casey Barnell was, and at the Columbine, in the Columbine massacre, she was faced with that choice. When the, when the gunman stood in front of her and said, do you believe in God? And pointing a gun right at her, she said, yes, I believe in God. And the gunman shot her right there in the classroom, dead. She became a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, I, that's why my question is a pertinent question. Because when she woke up that morning, she had no idea what was coming. She had no idea that today was going to be her last day on earth. She had no idea that somebody was going to put a gun in her face and, 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 ask, and, and ask her the question, you know, are you willing to, you know, are you willing to die? for what you believe in. But when that choice was made, when, that, when, she, when, she, when she was faced with that choice, praise God, she was brave enough to make the right choice. And I pray that, you know, that all of us here would be brave enough to make, that, to, to make the right choice. All of the disciples, except for John, were all martyred for their faith. They were all killed. As Jesus had said that they would be killed. He said that if they've done this to me, they will do this to you. And he told them, this is what you have to look forward to. That, you know, that the master is, you know, that, you know, that don't think that, you know, whatever they've done to me, trust me, you know, you're going you're, you're gonna to suffer a similar, a similar fate. What did Paul say when Christ commissioned him he said, that Christ, he, said that, he said that part of his ministry was to fulfill the suffering of Christ. To say that all of the persecution that Christ, that all the remaining persecution that wasn't heaped on Christ, that my job is to, you know, is to take that upon myself. And we see that that is indeed what happened to Paul. That he's, he, he, he's, he was persecuted right up until the point where he was beheaded by Nero. 
for preaching the gospel. I just want to believe I have you know, time and, I, and I'll, I'll say that you know, the greatest threat to Christianity today is Islam. Most people on, on you know, most people on the news will say, "Oh, these acts of terrorism were done by religious by, by by Islamic extremists," or they'll say it was committed by Islamic terrorists, or they will say they were committed by radical Islam. Well, I would like to drop the words extremist, and I would like to drop the word terrorist, and I would like to drop the word radical and just stick with the word Islam. Now the reason why they say this is because they don't want to offend the, the, the millions and millions of Muslims that aren't terrorists. Now they always say, oh, it's only a small percentage of, Muslim, of, of Muslims that, you know, that are violent and blah, blah, blah. They're not representative of Islam. It's, you know, or they've hijacked the religion. That's another one that they like to tell you on the news. They've hijacked the religion. You know, they, 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 they're using, they've, they've twisted it or they've perverted it. So, I want to put that theory uh, to the test and see if indeed they have twisted or perverted their religion. And I'm going to read from the Quran so that you can see, for your, hear from your, for yourselves what the Quran teaches its followers to do. In the Quran, Surah, you know, Surah 2, verses 191 to 193, it says, And kill them wherever you find them, and turn them out from where they have turned you out. And Al-Fatima, belief or unrest, is worse than killing, but if they desist, then lo, Allah is forgiving and merciful. And fight them until there is no more. And worship is for Allah alone. But if they cease, let there be no transgression except against Is Zalamun, the, the, the polytheist and the, and the wrongdoers. So basically saying that if they, if, they, if they agree to give up their idolatry, if they agree to worship Islam, then leave them alone. But if they don't agree to give up their, you know, their, you know, their, 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 their idols, if they don't agree to worship Allah, then kill them. This is Allah commanding his people. Kill them wherever you find them. Surah 2, 244. Then fight in the cause of Allah, and know that Allah heareth and knoweth all things. Surah 2, 2.16 Fighting is prescribed for you, and ye dislike it, but it is possible that ye dislike a thing which is good for you, and that ye love a thing which is bad for you. But Allah knoweth, and ye know not. Not only does this verse establish that violence can be virtuous, but it also contradicts the myth that fighting is indeed only in self-defense, since the audience was obviously not under attack at the time. So this is the com a commentator explaining the context 
of this verse. Because Muslims will say, oh, those verses were given to Muhammad when he was being persecuted and when he was being attacked. And therefore, these verses are saying, are telling Muhammad that he should defend himself, that he has the right to, to defend himself against those who are persecuting him. And the, the, his, and, and the, and the person here, the you know, person here, the commentator here is saying, that's not the case. See, when, when, when Muhammad went, first took Islam to Mecca and, and Medina, the idolaters kicked him out because they weren't interested in his message. He wasn't beaten, he wasn't stoned like Paul was and driven out of town like, you know, like Paul was. He was this told to leave. We, we're not interested in, in your message. Leave. But when he gathered enough strength, he gathered enough followers, he took an army back into Mecca Medina and wiped the place out and enforced Islam upon, upon them and then said, either give up your idols or perish. And that's where the, the, you know, the, the convert or perish phrase comes from because that is essentially the choice that he gave them. But Islam is a religion of peace, so maybe you're not quite convinced yet. So let's see. Surah 3, 151. Soon shall we cast terror into, their, into the hearts of the unbelievers, for that they joined companions with Allah, for which, he's, for which he had sent no authority. He's basically saying that to strike terror in the heart of the unbelievers, for they have joined companions with Allah. Meaning to say that Allah does not have any siblings, he has no children, he is alone. Now, there was a belief and maybe years ago there was a guy named Salman Rushdie who wrote a book called The Satanic Verses and there's still a fatwa on his head from the, from the Ayatollah in Iran to be, you know, that he should be killed for that. And in The Satanic Verses, there, I think it's uh, Surah 55 or 53, I'm not 100% sure, Allah had three daughters And so he was saying, well, if Allah has three daughters, where did he get the three daughters from? And therefore, Allah cannot be one, like the, like the Muslims claim that he is. Later, that verse, th those verses were taken out of the Quran, and Muhammad said all oh, that he had made a mistake, and that, he, and that he got, that the revelation that he got was incorrect. And therefore, those verses were taken out and, and were told, oh, ignore, ignore that. It is also shirk, is that what's it, you know, to, to, to ascribe a son to Allah. That is one of the biggest blasphemies in Islam, is to say that God has a son. Islam says that Allah was not begotten, neither can he beget. And therefore, anybody ascribing any, any companions, as they say here, to Allah 
should be, you know, should, you know, terror should be, should, you, know, you should put terror in their hearts. Well, what's going on today? We have, we have people planting bombs and, 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 and terrorizing people. But, oh, no, these are not, these are, they, they, you know, these are, these are not Muslims. Islam does not, it does not teach any of these things. We're dis, they're, they're this misunderstood people. They're just people that just hijacked the religion or twisted the religion to their own, you know, to their, you know, to their own uh, use. Last, I'll just read one more because I'm sure some of you are still not fully you know, you're persuaded to believe that, that Islam is not a religion of peace. Let's see. Surah 8, 12. I will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve. Therefore, strike off their heads and strike off every fingertip of them. I think you know, my point by now has to be made. Surah 839, and fight with them until there is no more religion other than for only for Allah, which means fight them until the only religion that exists is that that worships Allah. And that is their goal. What is, what is ISIS's goal today? Is to, is to establish an a Islamic caliphate where Islam becomes the only religion. And first they want to cleanse the Middle East. They've driven out the, Cop the Cop they're driving out the Coptic Christians from Egypt. They, driv they drove out all of the Christians in Syria and Iraq, the Peshmerga. They're driving out the Palestinian Christians. And very, and very, you know, and, and, and ultimately, you know, they, they, their ultimate goal is, would be to drive out Israel, as they say, they want to, you know, just push the nation of Israel in, in, you know, in, in, into the sea, so that it will become, so that the Middle East will become a, a holy Islamic state. But what what happens after that? You would think, okay, well, you know, and this is where, this is where liberal, you know, thinking is dangerous, because they will say, well, okay, no big deal, that, you know, that's that's their thing. No, not, nothing to do with us. We are free here in this country. We've got nothing to worry about. We've got nothing to fear. Well, unfortunately, the people in France would, would, would disagree with you. Look what happened, look what happened in France the other, you know, you know, you know, last month with the, the, the Charlie Hebdo. The people in London, are, are, are in, in the UK, are slowly but surely waking up to the fact that, you know, you know, that, they are, that their lives now could be in serious danger from, you know, from, from, an, from a major Islamic attack. So Europe, Europe, Europe now that opened up, and I say liberal Europe, for, because they were. Liberalism kills because they opened up their borders and said hey everybody can come in everybody is welcome and now they've they allowed they have allowed the you know they have allowed a trojan horse to come in 
they fed that Trojan horse with, with benefits and housing and all kinds of things, thinking, oh, you know, we can, there's no threat here. And now that, and, and now, and now the, now the dog is now turned to bite the hand that welcomed it in and fed it. And now they're trying to get rid of it and it's become a huge, it's become a huge problem. But of course, this could never happen here, right? Finally, I just want to ask this again, back to our, you know, back to our question. Are you, are you willing to be persecuted unto the point of death? Does Jesus have two classes of Christians? Does he have one class that will face persecution and the other class that will not? Many, many people here in the States, Christians here in the States, have that sense of security. It will never happen here. Oh, it's terrible what's going on in Nigeria. Oh, it's terrible what's going on in China. Oh, it's terrible what's going on in India. But oh, I've got nothing to worry about. It's never going to happen here. What did Jesus say? These things are uh, in John uh, 16:33. Jesus said, "These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world." Jesus is saying, "In the world you will have uh, tribulation." He did not say, in the world you will have religious freedom. He did not say, in the world you will have religious freedom. He said, in the world you will have tribulation. What did Paul say? Maybe Paul disagreed. Maybe Paul disagreed. Let's see. In, in speaking to Timothy, Paul said, but you have, uh, speaking to Timothy in Timothy, in Timothy 3 verse, uh, verses 10 to 12, Paul said, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which, have, which happened to me at, at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. At Lystra is where he was stoned to death. And then he was literally dragged outside of the city and left for dead. But it says, in the, but the believers gathered around and prayed, and then, and, then, and then he revived. What persecutions I endured, and out, of them, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all, not some, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. So as you can see, persecution is to be expected. The people of China are not sitting, are not sitting back saying, hey, we have, you know, we, hey we, why are we being, Christ, why are we being persecuted? Didn't you promise us religious freedom? The, people, the Christians in India are not saying, hey, Christ, didn't you promise us religious freedom? Look at those people in America. How come, how come we don't have that kind of freedom over here? The people, the Palestinian Christians are not, are, not, are not complaining because they understand that this is what Christ has ordained and has said, this is the life you're going to have in this world until I come 
and make all things new. And that will not happen until he comes. But we here in America have this gotten into that mindset that we've got nothing to worry about. Where, where is the gospel growing? Where, are, where is revival taking place? It's taking place in those countries where, where, where the persecution is the greatest. The church is growing in China despite the, the efforts that the communist government, uh, the communist government has made to, you know, to, to wipe it out. The church is growing. The church is growing in India despite of the opposition from the Muslims and the Hindus that are trying to wipe it out. The first century Christians, remember, they started off with 12 apostles. They tried to wipe them out. They tried to silence them. Then, there were, you know, then, then Peter preached and there were 3,000 more. Then he preached again and then there were 5,000 more. And before you know it, and then when the Roman government now swept, came in, and not only the Roman government, but the Jewish council said, we've got to stop this. If we leave this alone, it's going to get out of control. The Roman government's going to come along and, and, and take away our position in society. They're going to say, we have no need for, we, we have no need for you any longer. There's this new religion you know, now that the people, are, that, that, you know, that the people, people have obviously adopted. And therefore, Paul was given letters from, you know, from, the, from, the, you know, from the High Council, Acts chapter 9, to go and arrest anybody that he found in the way and drag them back to Jerusalem to be jailed. But as the Christians were now scattering from the Roman Empire to escape persecution, they took every town that they went into. What did they do? They immediately established house churches. They immediately established underground house churches. And before you knew it, Christianity infected the entire Roman Empire. So then what did Roman do? The, the, what did, then what happened? They said, well, we can't beat them. We better join them. And Constantine now, now suddenly, miraculously becomes a Christian and, and says he wants to legalize Christianity. But the point I'm making is, is persecution is the seed that leads to revival. Persecution is the, is the seed that will, that will see a revival taking place. I just want to end uh, my study by playing a video. Now, I'm from Nigeria, and as I said, I've mentioned you know, the fact that, you know, that, that the Christians in Nigeria are being horribly, horribly persecuted by Boko Haram, being killed literally in the thousands. And I just want to play a video of a, of a girl named Victoria. There's a second girl in the video, but the video is basically titled Victoria. And I want you to she is going to give a testimony of what she experienced at the hands of Boko Haram. Thank you.
has never been products of my church. Six. Some of them went to church. My dad, my mom, and children were four. Praises. We pray for peace of the nation. Then we pray for those persecuted Christians. During the prayer section, when the attack happened, Maybe so many people would die in the church. Everybody was crying and shouting. I started feeling some pain. I was shivering. It was cold. I did not realize it was a blood that spilled through. I saw people on the floor, some are dead and some are crying. There's blood around them, their bodies. People are shouting, Jesus. That was the only thing I had. Some people shouted, Jesus. My younger brother shot him on the chest. His name is Kicho. And he died at the age of 10. I think there are 18 people that they are shot. And 12 are dead. I saw my father bleeding seriously, both from the thigh. He's always kind. Always tell us to read the Bible and be close to God. 
and that was the last time I saw. not dead. Definitely one to the Lord Almighty, I just want to again thank you for just again giving me the privilege to share this message uh, in your church this evening. And I just pray, Father Lord Almighty, that uh, you will indeed just give us the grace to be faithful, even unto the point of death. I just pray, Father Lord Almighty, that you will watch over each and every one of these people that came out this evening. Just pray that you will grant everybody journey mercies to their home. Jesus' name. Amen.